Hey, welcome to Accidental Gods, to the podcast where we believe that another world is still possible, and that together we can make it happen. In fact, in this time of global pandemic, I think we are making it happen. I'm Manda Scott, and I spent the first series of this podcast laying out the basic toolkit that we think is essential to the survival of humanity, which is to say, to making conscious evolution a possibility or even a probability, which is the essence of all that we propose as accidental gods. Now in this second series, we're branching out to find the people who are using these tools, or some like them, people who are diving deep into areas that will help us to get where we need to go. This is where we explore the interface between science and spirituality, politics and philosophy, creativity and activism and art, and everything that helps us move towards a place where a new way of being is the next obvious step. My guest today is Chris Lutikow. Chris is a shamanic teacher, dreamer, and visionary of absolute integrity and strength. I met Chris in the early 2000s and was struck then by the authenticity and depth and groundedness of what he teaches. He was and remains my shamanic mentor and is the person I return to for grounded, compassionate wisdom. Chris runs the Northern Drum Shamanic Training School, both online and, when we're not in lockdown, in person. He leads wilderness trips to the shamanic lands of Europe in northern Finland, and he's written two books, one on shamanic power animals, and the second is called Calling Us Home, Finding Your Path, Your Balance and Your Inner Strength. I will list both of these in the show notes and they are both definitely worth reading. Chris is Danish by birth, trained with indigenous elders in North America, and now he lives in Cornwall. As with Yakov in the last podcast, I had planned to meet Chris and record a face-to-face interview when I was teaching at Schumacher in Devon. And then all teaching became online teaching. And so this interview was recorded with me at home in Shropshire and Chris at home in Cornwall. The quality of the sound is not quite as good as if we'd been face-to-face, but the quality of Chris's teaching is, I think, unmatched for its clarity, compassion and coherence. So, people of the podcast, please welcome Chris Lutikow. So, Chris, welcome to Accidental Gods. Thank you for taking time out on such a beautiful morning. We're on day three of lockdown. So, how is that feeling for you? Uh, Well, uh, first of all, uh, thank you for uh, having me. And um, and yes, it is a a beautiful day. Uh, Well, uh, for uh, myself, uh, I have um, quite a lot of uh, work to do here with uh, changing from uh, being uh, in person at the workshops to uh, learning about uh, the technology that will uh, enable me to uh, do some uh, work with uh, uh, the groups that I run online. So that has been uh, one of the um, 
main uh, things here. So in that sense, uh, on a kind of practical level, things aren't really much different uh, for me uh, as far as um, uh, the lockdown goes. I'm, uh, you know, in my office and uh, and working. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think um, Zoom is discovering that it is the main way that everybody is connecting. Are you are you using Zoom? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think shares in Zoom are probably skyrocketing at the point when anybody is buying shares again. Um, on a serious note, the world has changed pretty much out of all recognition since you and I originally decided to record this podcast. I was going to be in Devon, and that didn't happen. I've been teaching on Zoom all week at Schumacher. So if we take a step back and look at this from a spiritual and shamanic perspective, first of all, did you think that this was coming? And second, now that it's here, how can we look at this in a way that gives us that gives us a shamanic perspective and a way of working with it rather than constantly reverting to the war metaphors that are around us all the time? Okay. Well, uh, your first uh, question, uh, did I think uh, that this was coming? Um, there have been a lot of uh, prophecies from uh, the indigenous tribes uh, over uh, the last years, and uh, all these prophecies, they uh, point towards uh, one thing, uh, which is that uh, we are going into a, a transit uh, time where uh, the, the things that we are very familiar with begin to change the structure of uh, societies, uh, begin to change, and uh, we are uh, basically, uh, when something like this happens, uh, getting a, a wake-up call. And uh, I suppose the, uh, from a shamanic perspective, the first uh, thing you look at is uh, what is the teaching here? What are we supposed to uh, learn uh, from this, if anything? And uh, obviously this uh, virus that has uh, come now is not the only unusual thing, uh, so to speak, uh, there's been uh, flooding, uh, and there's been mm. uh, fires, there's been earthquakes. And uh, from a, a shamanic uh, perspective, you could say that uh, we are getting a, a message, we are getting a, a warning. And uh, mm. uh, basically, we, we are being told uh, here that uh, we need to pay attention now. Why are these uh, things happening? What uh, is it uh, we need to look at? And uh, again, if we if we turn to the uh, indigenous people, uh, they say uh, things like, we are part of the earth. Uh, the native people, they call her a mother earth. And uh, their uh, message is that we are not just living on the earth, we need to live uh, with the earth. And we need to uh, recognize that uh, when the earth is ill, uh, then it affects us, it's cause and effect. So when the earth is ill, uh, we uh, become ill. And uh, if we say uh, that uh, the earth is ill, what we mean by that is that uh, we have uh, 
done things to the earth. There's loads of plastic in the oceans. There, mm. There's deforestation. There's the cutting down of the, the rainforest, which they call the, the lungs of uh, the earth. And uh, we are using up uh, the, uh, the resources uh, on the earth in a way that um, is um, lacking um, consideration for what effect it is going to have on uh, on the whole on the the web of life and uh, something uh, is coming back to us now uh, as a, a consequence of uh, how we have been living so uh, i think uh, the the virus is telling us uh, literally to slow down and uh, look carefully at uh, how we are living and um, mm. and we are getting a message here about uh, we need to change because if we don't change uh, certain things, then we will experience more uh, of these things and uh, most likely um, to a a higher degree, like things will become even worse. You can say that uh, this virus, uh, even though it's uh, it's, uh, global and uh, uh, creating a lot of uh, uh, suffering and uh, death, uh, the death rate, the percentage is not uh, very high. It could be a lot worse. Mm. And uh, mm. uh, what uh, uh, the indigenous people have been saying for a long time is that if we don't listen, things uh, will uh, get uh, worse and worse uh, as far as uh, these uh, earth changes that are uh, happening now. And uh, and that was one uh, prophecies from, a prophecy from uh, the Mayan in uh, Mexico, uh, uh, 2012, uh, saying that uh, the world as we know it uh, uh, is going to change. And those changes have uh, definitely uh, begun now. And uh, uh, one of my teachers, uh, Hawk, he, he uh, used to say, the first enemy is forgetfulness. Right. Meaning that uh, when we forget uh, who we are, that we are part of the earth, that we are connected with everything else uh, on the earth, everything uh, that uh, lives on the earth, animal, trees, uh, bodies of water. When we forget and uh, become uh, complacent and uh, comfortable and uh, uh, begin to live in a very materialistic uh, way, then uh, we have... Uh, Put ourselves in a in a vulnerable position hmm. uh, because we um, are not paying uh, respect. We are not uh, living with. We are not seeing what is needed uh, in the in the bigger picture. Yeah. Now that we are being forced to slow down and perhaps begin to listen, how are you recommending to your students that they? change their lives? What is it that people listening to the podcast can do here and now on a spiritual and shamanic level, but possibly also on a practical level, to begin to do the listening? If we were to say, we can design for you a way of being that is more generative, that is beginning to head in the ways, in the directions that the indigenous elders have been recommending for all of our lives, really, how can they do it from the starting point of now? 
Uh, well, uh, the the fundamental uh, thing here, uh, as far as uh, I see it in relation to uh, a shamanic perspective, is that uh, this way of living uh, that has uh, caused uh, these uh, problems we are facing now, uh, which uh, is uh, a way of living uh, that's uh, has been developed in the in the, in the Western world in the, uh, industrialized uh, countries, is based uh, on uh, the what we call the outer mind. So it's a, it's a paradigm. It's a way of thinking that comes entirely or almost entirely from the mind, hmm. and uh, it uh, it lacks a heart. So this is from the head mind rather than from the heart mind. Uh, yeah, it, uh, you could uh, you could uh, say, put it that way. Yes, it, it is. It's a it's an outlook basically uh, that um, lacks uh, what um, uh, the the indigenous people uh, that I work with called uh, the inner mind or the uh, the center mind, hmm. and that is uh, connected to the heart mind. And uh, basically, from uh, from the outer mind uh, or the uh, the brain mind, uh, you can do a lot of things. It uh, it can uh, come up with inventions, and uh, it is a way of uh, thinking that uh, uh, helps you also to to function in the world. Uh, so it has uh, its purposes, but when that mind takes over and become the ruler, it can uh, very easily become uh, uh, self-destructive and also destructive from for things uh, in the outer world. And uh, the inner mind is a place that is connected, uh, and it's connected to the heart mind. It is uh, a place where there is uh, empathy. It's a place where. Uh, there is uh, a sense of uh, being part of a, a greater whole. So the uh, the first step uh, is to understand the difference between the two and to be aware of the difference between the two within oneself and then to begin to build a bridge to that inner mind so that there begins to be balance between uh, the two minds. That is... Uh, uh, a very key uh, hmm. teaching in uh, in the way I, I teach and in the groups uh, I run that uh, uh, we over time uh, build that bridge to the inner mind and begin to open it up, it up and begin to understand it so that you know when we talk uh, about heart mind that it's not uh, uh, just a, a concept. Hmm. Uh, th- this inner mind is a place of feeling. Yeah. Uh, and that is basically the the key that uh, you you feel instead of just uh, thinking. Yeah. And uh, and we are not talking about uh, uh, feeling on a kind of uh, uh, the usual kind of emotional level, uh, feeling you know uh, anger and uh, sadness and joy. It, it is. Uh, it has to do with um, a shamanic element. Uh, to feel connected and to, to uh, feel into uh, those uh, things that are uh, hidden. Uh, and uh, being able, for example, uh, to tune into animals, being able to tune into uh, trees, 
uh, being able to be in, in tune uh, with the earth, being in tune with uh, one's um, a true self. So this is uh, uh, what um, we also call uh, a power, but uh, uh, shamanic power, medicine power, yeah. which is not power over, but power uh, with. Brilliant. And so for students... They could, I'm guessing now that the teaching at scale is going to happen because teaching online is very different to teaching in person and it's possible in a way to teach more people online than one could do in a room for simple logistical limitations of being in a room. So I'm guessing that people listening to this could potentially sign up to something that you might be teaching. Is that possible? Because I think a lot of people listening will want to explore this more deeply. And clearly it takes time to learn. It does take time to learn, yes. And uh, that's why uh, I, when I teach, I teach a, a three-year training, I teach a, a one-year training, uh, because uh, we, we want to uh, really uh, embody and uh, uh, understand, not just on the level of the mind, but uh, to uh, to own uh, the teaching. And yes, uh, I uh, I do run these uh, groups, and uh, uh, whatever uh, obstacles there there might be as far as meeting in person on uh, at uh, venues, I will uh, do uh, online instead. Brilliant. Um, I will put links in the show notes for people. But I'm remembering that when I read your book, um, both of your books, because you've done two now, uh, are you doing another one? I am working on the, the next one, yes. But at the moment, there was the Spirit Animal Guides and then Calling Us Home. Yes. Um, both of which are available on Amazon. And and I noticed that Calling Us Home, if if you have Kindle Unlimited from the demon Amazon, is actually one of the ones that they support. So uh, people at home, you, you can buy it. I wondered if, because Calling Us Home for me, it presented quite a clear map of how people reading it, clearly learning in person is is more potent. But you had drawn out what seemed to me quite a clear construction of how to come home to ourselves. And I wondered if it's possible whether you could outline what it was that that book described for listeners. Yeah, okay. Well, uh, the way I was taught uh, was um, by uh, teachers in the physical world, of course, and uh, uh, most of them were uh, indigenous uh, people. And so the part of the way the world is changing now is that now uh, teachings are also conveyed uh, uh, through books more and more and, uh, and, uh, and then online. And uh, in that book, Calling Us Home, I uh, gave um, a lot of uh, exercises and uh, teachings that uh, can be applied, can be worked with, um, immediately and uh, they uh, include meditations uh, include uh, contact with uh, uh, power animals and uh, uh, spirit guides and uh, also very much um, in the, in the calling us home there there's also uh, uh, the teaching about uh, what we call the four attentions and uh, the first attention is to uh, be 
here and now to be uh, present. Uh, the second attention has to do with being aware of where our thoughts are taking us. Do they take us to a place we have chosen, a place we want to be, or are the thoughts random and taking us into uh, places that uh, may not be beneficial for us? The, the third attention uh, is called uh, look for the teaching. And that is the one we uh, started here today with, uh, talking about that one. What are we uh, learning from uh, uh, this virus that has uh, um, come as a, as a challenge to us now? So the third attention uh, says, whatever happens, uh, look for the teaching. Mm. Mm. And then uh, look deeper again and look deeper again. So uh, in that way, uh, the third attention means that we are deliberately uh, on a on a journey of uh, learning and uh, evolution of the soul, so to say. Hmm. And then the the fourth attention is we call let the little child play, right. and uh, uh, that uh, basically means that a, a child has um, a, a flexibility about them; uh, they can. Uh, get hurt and cry, and then the next moment they, they are laughing and, and playing again. So the, the fourth attention is about not being stuck in any mode, uh, but uh, being able to, to shift, uh, to shape shift, uh, so to say. And uh, for example, now with the, with the virus, not uh, to be uh, stuck in fear, not to be stuck in, uh, in being uh, too serious about it either but to move uh, in and out and also uh, um, maybe joke about it and uh, uh, laugh about it, like just like indigenous people do, indigenous people who have been um, uh, persecuted and uh, had their land taken away, uh, even had their children taken away. They, uh, in spite of all that, uh, they continue to dance, they continue to sing, they continue to joke, they uh, uh, this is how they survive because they have kept that uh, little child inside of them alive. And the fourth attention is about that, that uh, no matter what happens, if you uh, keep that uh, youthful, vital energy alive in yourself, you will get through it and uh, your spirit will remain strong, your heart will remain strong. So uh, the book is... Um, it's about how uh, how to do that, how to incorporate uh, these uh, teachings into your everyday life, and um, and begin to awaken what you could call your your own native soul, and that is very much about uh, the heart mind, uh, the inner mind, balanced with uh, with uh, with the outer mind, with the brain mind. Yeah, and I was very struck by your concept of the vital life force. And it says at one point in the book, your old dramas don't have much vital life force, but it takes a lot of your own vital life force to keep them alive. And I was thinking in terms of where we are with the virus, and and it seems to me that the timeline was, you know, we all heard it was in China, we all heard it was in Italy, nobody really paid very much attention. It came over here and people still really, everyone was planning you know, where their life was going in the next few weeks until it became obvious that for a lot of people, those plans had just been completely taken apart. None of it was happening. And what we've been given 
as a gift, as a teaching, is the ability to take a step back. And I'm wondering if collectively we can move our vital life force from keeping alive that hamster wheel of having to go and do stuff to earn money, to pay the mortgage, the whole kind of neoliberal economic system that extracts energy and life force from us as our kind of primary sacrifice to it. Yeah. And now we're not having to do that. And and I'm wondering if you're seeing that in your students and in yourself and around you, that people are finding their life force has been given back to them. Uh, I think uh, that is uh, definitely true, that uh, that is one of the um, results of uh, this standstill that we have been brought to here, is that we have the opportunity at least uh, to uh, find that place uh, within ourselves uh, again. And... Uh, you know, shamans, traditional shamans would say that uh, um, the earth here is uh, giving us a, a very uh, strong message to look within. And uh, from a scientific uh, perspective, uh, they have found out now in laboratories that um, prayer and uh, meditation, ceremony, actually strengthens the immune system. Mm, yes. And those, uh, those practices are all about what you're talking about. They are about becoming still, uh, going within. And uh, when we do that, uh, uh, and the immune system is, uh, is strengthened, then uh, we begin also to draw that life force that's otherwise used uh, with what you were quoting uh, from my book, uh, used uh, for uh, fight and flight, for uh, drama, you know, and being on on the threat mail. Uh, that uh, life force that we constantly draw on uh, just to to keep our uh, uh, dramas alive and uh, in order to uh, uh, just survive. Uh, a lot of energy is used uh, uh, in that process. And when we learn to become still, uh, we begin to free uh, that energy. And, uh, and that, of course, has a, a tremendous uh, benefit on many, many levels, including health and the immune system. Mm. And the health and the immune system of society as well as of individuals, I think. Yeah, we are told here t- there are a lot of things we need to look at. You know, they, they say that... Uh, the virus uh, comes from uh, animals. Hmm. So here's a hint that, uh, that we are getting. Uh, how do we treat animals? Uh, there's a lot of uh, abuse of animals going on uh, nowadays. Uh, farms are becoming uh, more and more like factories and uh, a lot of suffering hmm. going on uh, uh, with the animals. And... Uh, uh, you know, a shaman would say that uh, that uh, has come back to us, hmm. and uh, we uh, we need to seriously look at: uh, Do we want to continue uh, these practices, also uh, in relation to uh, trees, uh, deforestation, how we treat uh, nature, and uh, you could uh, see it this way here that uh, it is. 
like a curse, shamans, traditional shamans would see it that way. It's like a curse we have put uh, upon ourselves by mistreating uh, other creatures. And now uh, we are we are getting uh, some warnings. We can choose now to make some changes or uh, we will get uh, the next lesson and there uh, the, the volume would probably be turned up. Yeah, because the gods whisper and then they speak and then they shout. And if you wait until they shout you're going to regret not having listened sooner, is my own experience. Um, So I'm wondering, so as you're talking, I'm thinking of the Buddhist concept of right livelihood, and which is, if in the Buddhist monasteries and in the Buddhist practices, they have a list of what right livelihood includes, which I think can be very cultural. So for instance, the other day I read that in the monasteries, the nuns have 331 rules and the monks have 279. And I'm wondering what it is that makes the women need 60 more rules than the men. But leaving that aside, I'm wondering if we could create between us a shamanic right livelihood. Well, um, in the way I was taught, there was a concept called uh, the children's fire. Hmm. And uh, the children's fire basically means uh, that when the council of chiefs, men and women, meet uh, to make uh, decisions for the people. Then uh, they light a fire in, in the center of the council. They warm their hands over that fire and they look into that fire. And when they look into the, the embers, then they see uh, the effect that... Uh, proposal will have on the next seven generations hmm. and uh, once they have uh, seen that once they have uh, been able to tune into that then they uh, make their decision and uh, we also have what we call the two uh, sacred law all things are born of a uh, woman second law no law shall be passed that will harm the children mm. so the children's fire uh, is about the next seven generations and uh, the two sacred law no law shall be passed that will harm the children means the children of uh, the earth yeah. not just uh, human children so the, uh, that will include uh, the oceans uh, the the forest uh, the the animals uh, everything so uh, in order uh, to create a, a world, in order not uh, when, the, uh, when the virus is over to go uh, back to normal, yeah. uh, we, uh, we need to make a real shift because the mind, the outer mind, will have a tendency to say, oh, okay, now it's over, and then we forget. Mm-hmm. And then we uh, want comfort again, and we want all, all the things that uh, we had in our routines early on. And uh, so uh, this way of the, the children's fire basically means that, that uh, we need to make some fundamental changes and we need to look at how everything that we decide, how will it affect the next uh, seven uh, generations? How does it affect uh, the children? How does it affect uh, everything on earth, uh, including uh, the, the rivers and the lakes. For example, when uh, I do expeditions up in, in Lapland, Finnish Lapland, 
we can drink uh, in Finland, even at, uh, down south in Finland, we can drink out of every lake, out of every river, out of every stream. Mm. It's simply just uh, the laws they have passed there that protect the rivers and uh, the lakes right. to such a degree that the, the water is clean enough to drink. Right. And uh, we can do that here, and uh, that uh, is one of the messages we are getting uh, with the with the virus, with the, the flooding, uh, with the fires. Uh, the earth wants our attention. Right. So a number of things arise from that. Going back to the children's fire, and everything is born of woman. There are people who interpret that as everybody shall become vegan overnight. And I'm wondering where you sit with that, because I know that you have a slightly different practice in your own life. And on a collective level, what you do would be quite hard for everybody. But I'm wondering if you have a view on how we can move our whole culture, who are not necessarily shamanic, towards something that lives by the children's fire. Because factory farming is such an abomination. And apart from anything else, the use of antibiotics to allow it to continue. One of the other ways that our culture might fall over is that fundamentally we run out of antibiotics that work. And part of the reason that that's happening is because they are widespread use in industrial farming to keep the animals alive under conditions of extreme stress. So on every level that needs to stop. But I'm wondering where you would take it if we assume that we stop factory farming? Yeah, well, there are, um, of course, many uh, practical uh, challenges that we have to uh, look at and uh, find solutions to uh, when we begin to bring in a new way of living, a new uh, paradigm. I think that uh, uh, eating clean food uh, is uh, uh, like a basic uh, human right uh, and uh, the way we uh, produce food now, just like you say, is uh, is harmful for animals, but uh, it is also with the pesticides and herbicides. We bring in uh, a lot of poison into uh, into the uh, into nature, and uh, a lot of things uh, has to change in order for us to come uh, back to balance. But as far as uh, animals go, then in the shamanic tradition there's um, a lot of individual freedom and uh, what's right for one person is not necessarily right for another person and uh, and uh, we don't uh, have dogmas where nobody is forced uh, to do something that uh, is is not right for them uh, i think we could uh, uh, eat uh, generally uh, a lot more uh, vegetarian food but uh, many people uh, seem to still uh, need uh, a bit of meat, and uh, uh, when uh, we eat meat, uh, it is important that it is um, clean, that it is uh, high uh, quality, and also uh, from a shamanic perspective, that the vibration in the meat, in the food, is uh, is high. Yeah, and that kind of uh, vibration, uh, high vibration, you don't get in uh, animals that have been uh, mistreated you can you'll get it uh, in um, in meat that um, comes from uh, uh, wild animals uh, out in nature hmm. 
uh, and also, um, for example, uh, uh, in uh, biodynamic uh, farming mm. based on Rudolf Steiner's uh, principles, uh, animals are treated very, very differently. They are, and uh, there's respect and there's honoring. And that kind of meat uh, is, um, is also of uh, such a vibration that it will uh, be uh, beneficial. And there are people who, who need this more kind of heavy uh, diet uh, protein that uh, has that uh, kind of quality uh, that uh, comes from meat. Yeah. And, and one of the things that struck me as you were speaking was that if the reports are correct, and of course they may not be, this particular virus started in the wet markets of China, which are the wildlife market, but they're not animals that are being honoured. They're brought in, stuck in cages, stacked on top of each other, animals that would normally have no contact with each other, and they're under extreme stress and conditions of extreme maltreatment. And so the the balance is the honouring of the giveaway that the death of the animal represents rather than going out and going, okay, wild animals are okay, but what we're going to do is catch, I don't know, a few wild deer, herd them into a corner and not honour them as we kill them. It's. I think this is, for me, one of the things that the big learning of this, one of the big learnings of this, is our approach to death and our approach to what it is that keeps us alive and where the balance lies. So I'm wondering, having got to that, that one of my previous interviews was with a young man who lives in a monastery, a Buddhist monastery in the States. And one of the things that we got to there was the need to come to grips with our own death. And I'm thinking that that again is one of the teachings of this virus is people are dying that we didn't expect to die. Some of the people who are dying we're already dying, and the virus has perhaps hastened that. So could you perhaps lead us into a shamanic view of coming to grips with our own death? Sure. Uh, in, the, in the tradition I was uh, taught, we have this uh, concept that death, our own mortality, can become our teacher. What that means is that the uh, uh, when we become aware that uh, uh, one day we won't be here anymore, everybody will die uh, one day. And then instead of like in the in the Western culture, where we want to um, keep that at bay and uh, and don't uh, talk about it, don't uh, look at it too much, uh, that's another way, and that is uh, to live uh, on a daily basis actually with uh, uh, knowing with the understanding that uh, one day we won't be here anymore and uh, when death become our teacher in that way then we can begin to li live uh, with uh, appreciation with gratitude for each day and for each moment and when we are aware of uh, our own mortality on a deep level, then life uh, becomes precious. And uh, we begin to wake up and we begin to live uh, more intensely. We become more present. Uh, we uh, begin to live with uh, appreciation. And uh, 
that uh, again uh, and this is uh, if we go back to uh, scientific discoveries has uh, a very beneficial uh, effect uh, on the body and the immune system as well hmm. uh, so there are uh, benefits uh, kind of unforeseen benefits to this also but it also puts us on high ground uh, because we make as much uh, out of life as possible whereas uh, if we keep uh, if we don't look at our own death then suddenly one day the years have gone by and death uh, is uh, waiting for us and uh, we ha- may have missed on, out on a, a lot of things hmm. that uh, we really wanted to do uh, all the things that uh, maybe when we face our death turns out to be the most important ones like how uh, we, uh, how much time, how much uh, quality time we spent with our loved ones, how much did we pursue uh, our own dream, uh, and uh, these things uh, suddenly, uh, uh, when we face death, uh, it's too late, and uh, and also uh, maybe uh, when we become older, that our uh, there might be physical conditions that mean that we, that we can't do the one the kind of things we dreamed about doing uh, uh, once when we were younger. So uh, learning from death, from our own mortality, can really enrich your life and uh, make you come into a place uh, which the different uh, spiritual traditions talk about, which is to be here now. Hmm. Yes, and finding the balance, because for a lot of people in our Western society, if they begin to do the work with death, my observation is they create what we might call a bucket list. So, okay, yes, I'm going to die. Therefore, I need to fly to Australia because I've I haven't done that and it's one of these things that I want to do and they can get caught up in lists of things that they think they want to do that will make them whole and my understanding from you and other shamanic other teachers is that the the balance is found internally that it's not about rushing around the world or buying more stuff or climbing a hundred mountains because you've decided that that's what you need to do before you die it's more about finding that sense of completion in ourselves inside could you speak to that a little bit am i right first of all uh, absolutely and uh, and that completion you are uh, talking about there within yourself is found in uh, what we uh, were talking about before, the inner mind. Yeah, It is found, and the heart mind is part of the inner mind. It's not uh, all of the inner mind, but the heart mind is, is part of that. So the real uh, sense of fulfillment uh, comes uh, when that uh, mind within us uh, begins to open up. Hmm. Uh, it is um, the driven uh, part uh, the uh, the outer mind that uh, very easily becomes driven that um, can't uh, you know what the example you gave there with the bucket list it, it could be the doing mind that that is doing the bucket list mm. and then still there's no real true fulfillment uh, there's not uh, peace within yet yeah. uh, the the real peace uh, within uh, comes when um, we 
open uh, our own heart and uh, begin to feel uh, on that uh, deep uh, inner level and begin to uh, learn about deep trust, hmm. deep uh, joy. And uh, we begin to honor ourselves and the rightness of who we are, but also very much the the rightness of life, the overall rightness of life, so that in spite of uh, all the, the crazy things that are uh, going on on the planet, that uh, we, we still trust the overall rightness of life. And uh, this is a, a real core teaching about the indigenous people, that uh, whatever happens, it happens for a reason. Yes. And uh, we may not understand that reason, and we may not uh, be able to uh, see that uh, reason at all, but uh, uh, the the old teachings tell us that there is a purpose, and eventually we will understand it. it, it eventually, it will um, bring change uh, for the better, mm. and uh, that uh, that evolution is uh, that is going on is always uh, ultimately for the better, even though there might be temporary. Uh, uh, setbacks. Yes, because one of the other bits that I highlighted in, in your book, Calling Us Home, was was when you said um, the awakened masters, irrespective of their tradition, all say the same, all is well. They don't come back from their experience of awakening with a list of things that are wrong. If they did, they would probably attract a lot more followers. I, I loved that, partly for the humour at the end of it. But also, you know, it's hard when when we look at what's happening in the world, when we, we look at the politics that's moving ever towards the right, when we look at the response to the virus, when we look at the people rushing around panic buying, or I read the other day that nine ambulances in Kent had had their tires slashed by just people who think it's fun to slash tires. And I can stare into an abyss of despair. And yet, all of the teaching is that this is all right. All of the people who come back from near-death experiences or the awakened masters all say, it's okay, people, this is how it's meant to be. And I wonder, because that's exactly what you just said, and yet there is an awakening that needs to happen. And I feel sometimes that those of us working towards awakening are in the minority. We're not the, the hordes trying to break into Tesco's to get the last toilet roll. Or whatever. Have you ideas on, or have your teachers ideas on how we can extend the understanding, the awakening that needs to happen? Because we need to wake up before we can grow up. Ken Wilber says that, and I think he's right. Have you ideas on how we can extend the awakening, or is it happening? Is the virus, is your sense that the virus is already extending that? Well, uh, that uh, awakening you're, you're talking about here, that has to do with facing all the horrible things that are going on in the world hmm. and, uh, and not uh, looking away uh, from that, but uh, to face that and uh, say, yes, this is not good. So, uh, this needs to change. Something needs to be done about this. So we need to act here. That, on the one hand. On the other hand, to uh, know and trust that everything is perfect. Like in the, the example that you gave with the, uh, with the 
awakened to a masters when they say everything is uh, is perfect. There's a paradox here, and uh, this uh, paradox cannot be solved or understood by the outer mind. However, the heart mind has a good idea about it, mm. and we basically, when we are in that dilemma, we need to expand our consciousness and expand it so much that we are able to hold that paradox, to hold both within our consciousness, that both are true. Hmm. And the outer mind cannot do that. The heart mind has a capability to do that. So uh, the horrible things uh, are not right and uh, need to be changed. That's one truth. And uh, everything uh, has a deeper uh, purpose that can be trusted. That is another truth. And uh, only uh, the heart mind, only the inner mind can, uh, can hold that and unite them. And there's no conflict. Hmm. Whereas for the outer mind, uh, 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 the outer mind goes, goes crazy with that and says, well, it can't be, one can't be true when the, uh, when the other is true. But that is um, uh, uh, kind of limited uh, consciousness. The consciousness needs to expand in order to really uh, understand that and, uh, and know it on an inner level that, uh, that this is the way it is. As human beings, we need to ascend to... Um, that place where we can hold both and there is uh, no opposition between the two. Both are true. Right. And being able to find that place. So in terms of people listening who have not yet joined one of your teaching groups, have you got something straightforward that they could learn here and now? As, as a beginning step to being able to connect to their own inner mind and find that place of balance where both are true? Yes, we can do an exercise uh, right now, uh, meditation right now. Uh, this is a way to connect uh, with the inner mind and uh, with the heart. So if we do it now, then the uh, first step is to uh, close your eyes. And then put one hand uh, on the chest over the heart. And when you, when you place a hand over the heart, you bring awareness uh, to the heart-mind mm-hmm. on a physical level. And then the energy uh, loves to follow uh, consciousness. So your consciousness begin now, begins now to uh, go to the heart. Then, next step is to take a deep breath in and to hold that breath. So when you're holding the breath now, get in touch with, listen to, feel the heartbeat. See if you can uh, connect with the, the beat of the heart on a, on a physical level here. When you need to exhale, you exhale, but you keep your awareness with the, with the heartbeat. If you didn't get in touch with the heartbeat on, the, on this first breath, then take another deep breath in, hold it, and connect with the beat of the heart. 
So we are beginning now to tune into the heart mind. You exhale, and then you begin to slow down your breathing. A slow, a slow inhalation, slow exhalation. So you do this for a little while, calming the mind, centering yourself in the heart-mind. And the heart-mind is the, the center of uh, trust. And then now you add one more element in your mind, in your heart-mind. You call forward something uh, you really love something you really appreciate, something that brings you joy, something you have a passion for, something you really care about. And you, you just sit here now and feel that. And let it let those feelings uh, fill you. Open up to the, the joy of that. So that is a meditation, short meditation to connect with the heart mind. And uh, Thank you. it's uh, like uh, they, they say in the, the different uh, spiritual tradition, the answer to what we are looking for outside is actually right here in front of us. It's so close and it's so, uh, in a way, obvious that we completely overlook it. Hmm. And uh, there's a little uh, uh, story where, from the uh, uh, and, uh, indigenous uh, uh, culture where they said uh, the, the creator, the great spirit, had uh, a secret that the humans were not ready for. And the secret was uh, put into uh, the white stones. And then the, uh, the creator had a council with all the animals and said, we have this issue here. The humans are not ready for uh, this secret, so we need to hide it. Uh, until the humans are ready, uh, who uh, can um, who can hide it amongst uh, the animals? And the eagle said, "I will take it to the the highest mountaintops." And they all kind of dreamed into that, and they saw that the humans would eventually get uh, to the highest mountaintops. So that wouldn't work. Then uh, the salmon said, "I will take it to the bottom of the uh, ocean." And again, they looked into that and saw that one day the humans would uh, reach the bottom of the ocean. That didn't work either. And then the, the buffalo said, I will take it into the, the plains, dig um, a hole in the ground with my hoofs and uh, hide it there. And when the animals and the, the creator looked uh, into that, they saw that uh, uh, the humans one day will turn the soil upside down and, and they find the stones there. So that didn't work either. So they uh, were sitting there not knowing what to do. And then the little blind 
blind mole stepped uh, forward and said, let's hide it in their own hearts because that's the place they will never look. Hmm. And uh, uh, it, uh, that story, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is so true. The answer is uh, right in front of us, and uh, we are so busy, so caught in our outer mind that uh, we completely overlook it. Hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. But now, with the virus, we have time to look. It seems to me this is such an astonishing gift for all this time we've known that we needed to get off the wheel of of modern economics and the way we live, and we haven't known how. And now we've done it. For so many of us, obviously not if you're a doctor or a nurse or involved in keeping the really basic things going, then you haven't. But the majority of people listening to this have got time now to do the work, to look into their own hearts. And you just gave us a meditation. Thank you so much for that. Uh, my pleasure. And uh, I would just add with that meditation that uh, it's good to do it first thing in the morning. Hmm. And maybe if you meditate already, just uh, combine it with the other meditation you do. And then do it a few times uh, throughout the day. The way I was taught, uh, three times a day, enter this kind of stillness three times a day. Then after a couple of months, uh, your consciousness will begin to change. Yes, because what fires together, wires together. And yes, and if we can find that that joy. I did this as you were speaking, and I connected to the red kite over the hill that I saw this morning in the blue sky. Mm. And, and I was so filled with the joy and the wonder and the awe of that shadow moving over me. And I think if each of us can make that feeling a familiar place, then then we don't get swept up in the fear and uncertainty and sense of threat that the virus can bring or that the sense of life at the moment can bring. So thank you, Chris. I think we're heading towards an hour. I think that's been just beautiful. I'm sure that when this goes out, I will have a lot of requests to talk to you again. So I think at some point we definitely will do that. As we're heading towards close, I'm going to put a link to your website and to your books in the show notes. Is there anything else that you've read recently that you would think that people could read with some of the downtime they have now that would be useful? Uh, I haven't uh, been uh, reading uh, much uh, lately, but uh, uh, anything uh, that is about the original instructions, the original instructions about how to live that comes from indigenous people. So maybe that's something that can be Google uh, online and uh, teachings uh, about that because I strongly believe and uh, know within myself that uh, uh, the elders and the wisdom keepers of uh, the indigenous people, they have the answers about how to live in a way of uh, harmony, respect, and the beauty. So uh, uh, read about that, uh, and uh, that uh, is uh, time well spent. Yeah, and I think both of your books actually are a very good start to that because you've brought that wisdom and shaped it into something that the Western mind can take in, and you've got exercises in there, and if people want to have something to progress with, then I think that would be 
a good way to go. So I'm guessing also, are you listening to podcasts at the moment? I generally ask people towards the end if there's a podcast or something that they've listened to that they could recommend. But you may not be listening to podcasts much either, given the way the world has changed. Uh, well, uh, again, uh, I have listened to some uh, of the um, uh, American Indian elders who have uh, uh, spoken about uh, the current situation uh, with the uh, with the virus. Okay. Maybe you could send a link to something, and I could pop that in the show notes. I will. Uh, I will uh, uh, do that. Yes. And uh, I watched um, a video also on uh, YouTube. Uh, it was uh, a little girl, American Indian uh, girl. She uh, she had put a, a dance uh, on the uh, on the YouTube uh, channel because she had heard that uh, the uh, the grown ups they uh, they were dancing uh, for the healing of the people and uh, for uh, us to have uh, strong hearts and. Uh, not uh, succumb to fear. And then uh, uh, that evening she said to her mother, uh, Mom, I, I, I want to do the same. And then her mother uh, had a dance uh, out on the, on the lawn and uh, it was filmed and put on YouTube and the little girl has a, a message about being kind and take care of each other and uh, key and wash your hands. <laughs> and uh, that, that girl there, she really embodies the heart mind. Fantastic. Uh, and uh, and that's uh, where we all uh, need to go. Magic. So so I'll uh, I'll give you that. Fantastic. Link. I will put that in the show notes too. Okay. Thank you, Chris. That's I think that's us done. Unless there is one last thing that you want to say to everybody, but I think you've just given us almost an hour of of such deep and profound wisdom. I am enormously grateful. Is there anything else you wanted to say as a last thing? Uh, well, it's been uh, uh, wonderful to. Uh, uh, be with you here, and uh, I am grateful for this opportunity to uh, share uh, some of these uh, teachings, some of these uh, ways of uh, the original instructions about how to live. And uh, it's a time that we apply them now. Uh, we are giving a, given a chance here, uh, and uh, I think uh, we uh, we got to uh, take that chance and uh, act on it now. So uh, thank you very much. You're so welcome. Thank you. All right, that's us done. Thank you, people. So that's it for another episode. Huge thanks to Chris for his time and his wisdom. Thanks, as ever, to Cara C for the music at the head and foot of the podcast and for the sound production. Thanks to Faith Tillery for designing the website and for being the other half of the creative team that is Accidental Gods. And thanks to you, as always, for listening. We definitely wouldn't be here without you. If you want to visit the website, if you want to know more, to see the show notes, or to join the membership program, we're at accidentalgods.life. And if you like what you hear, please subscribe. It lets us know that you're there. Five stars and a review helps Google to know that we're here. But still, if we're going to grow, we are going to do it by word of mouth. And we're going to do it by the new connectivity that is growing in this time of the pandemic. As a species, we are now more connected by orders of magnitude than we have ever been at any time in the history of our evolution. And that is going to create new things. So please share the link with everybody in your newly growing connected network. Share it with your family and friends 
but more. Share it with people that you know want to create the more centered, beautiful, flourishing place that our hearts know is possible. So see you next time. Until then, thank you and goodbye.